This podcast is brought to you by a very sleepy boy and the backers at patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Check out that Patreon for early access to podcast, access to the Slack, cool new features, and help us build more and awesome shows. Once again, patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. I was trying to save lives, yours, and millions in my future, 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 Put that peck of wood in his place. I'm Jeremy Greer. And I'm Gary Butterfield. And this is Days of Future Cast. And uh, we are talking about Season 2 of X-Men, the animated series. How are you today, Gary? I'm doing pretty well. It's, a, it's a snow day is in it? Portland. It's a, yeah, it doesn't snow often here. Um, but last week it snowed and yesterday it snowed. And the city uh, likes to flip out in a real big bad way. People are uh, really happens. interested to hear that and, and when this episode comes out in February. <laughs> yes, it is. In a, December. Yeah. <laughs> to immediately date it, uh, snow in December, winter cold. Um, all these things are true. This is going to be it pretty is, funny because yeah. Duckfeed is um, currently like in a scramble to get a bunch of episodes recorded to kind of lighten their load during the holidays. And like, <laughs> there's a lot yeah. of like time shifting going on. It's really funny. I am. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm surprised that the weather has not actually interfered with my internet. Which I was kind of expecting to have my my net denied, uh, but net achieved. I got net. It works. Excellent. So uh, yeah, I'm uh, doing all right. Just sitting around in my bathrobe, drinking a cup of coffee. I'm real warm and cozy. I got I uh, got my heater going. Good, Hopefully good, it's not good. coming through on the mic. It's Everything's like, good. It's like oh. seventy degrees here, so it's feeling great. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. How uh how are you? I'm doing well. I'm uh very close to about two and a half weeks of vacation where uh, we have some family coming in for Christmas. We have, we're cleaning up the house. We're redecorating we're doing all kinds of stuff. So it's sure. And then I'm recording like eight podcasts a day before I finish out this week. So yay. Yep. Finishing out this week, finishing out the year pod strong, mm-hmm. creating content. Create the, only way content. We're, <laughs> the only way we're going to survive 2017 is if we have enough content stores. If, if you don't when store we're, when we're hunting, content in your cheeks, you won't survive the winter. When we're hunting rats in the sewer <laughs> and uh, collecting rainwater. Uh, from our rooftop gardens uh, in a couple couple years we'll look back on this waste of effort and cry you know there's a um, there's a cover of where has all the content gone by natalie bruglio somewhere in there <laughs> uh yeah anyway Dave paradise let's talk content. about let's talk about some x-men oh yeah what what did we do uh, last time jeremy previously on x-men uh, well previously uh the x-men have faced down mr stinnerter and the nasty boys uh, they've stopped Scott and Jean's wedding indirectly, fought off a vengeful mind spirit trying to take over Storm, took a trip to Russia, took a trip down to Bayou, and are still looking for Xavier, who has mysteriously disappeared. That pretty much catches catches us all up on season two so far. And uh, man, I am very excited to talk about the next two episodes. If um, if it wasn't for an episode that comes later in the season, these two episodes would be my favorite episodes so far. They're very, these are very great. Like it's this, um, other than these two episodes. So this is a really weird season. We'll talk about that more next season or next episode where we talk about the kind of wrap up, mm-hmm. but this is the short stories season of the show. Like they, they came out really strong in the first season with, uh, kind of introducing the principles and, uh, doing the main theming. And this is like 
side stories. So that's why we got the Bayou and stuff. And that's going to continue here with this weird brief little jaunt to something that feels much more important and ambitious, which is uh, XM-207 Time Fugitives, part one. Uh, original air date, December 11th, never forget, 1993. It is 3,999 <laughs> AD in New York City. And Nate Summers, also known as Cable, is leading a war against Apocalypse and his forces. But when a time storm appears, Cable discovers that the past is being altered by the mutant known as Bishop and that these alterations will cause destruction in the mutant race. And this is, once again, just a, another entry in, in the TV Guide synopsis, synopsis that kind of spoils a lot of things that the show does not tell you. Like The, <laughs> the show goes out of its way to kind of wink and nod that Nate Summers is related to Scott and Gene somehow. But like the this just says, okay, yeah, his name is Nate. That never comes yeah, up in the episodes. <laughs> that's, that's 100% true. Like, uh, if that was going to be a spoiler, it has been spoiled. Um, the one thing I do like about this, though, and we'll get into it, is like, it's a direct sequel to the Bishop episodes from last season. Um, weirdly enough, not a direct sequel to the cable episodes from last season, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, you know, when you think like, Oh, you're gonna fuck around with the time stream. Nothing's going to happen. No shit's going to happen. And like, this is dealing with that kind of causality and the, uh, the, it's a real sci-fi trope, like a time travel trope, but having that show up in this kid's cartoon is awesome. I think. And it's complicated. Um, like there's, you know, there's a Bishop versus Cable dynamic. The X-Men are kind of weirdly accepting of Bishop, but also weirdly antagonistic towards him. And then we still have our, our ongoing Friends of Humanity problem. So we've got several different lines of conflict moving between several different characters. And I can't believe they pulled this off at all in a 22-minute TV show that came out in the early 90s. Like, it's just kind of mind-blowing that they actually pulled the story off. And I, I see why it took them two episodes, but man, even, you know, stretch that to 44 minutes. That's They're doing some work writers are putting it, in some serious work yeah for 100 percent. and it's like not only is it a, a complicated fight but it's we don't really know who to root for you know because everybody kind of has a has a good motivation here except for the friends of humanity and this is um, this is going to be kind of a running theme in like several of these episodes that are coming up um like there's the x-men aren't necessarily the good guys in some cases like like the x-men are kind of just pawns on this chessboard of like a much bigger game being played and it's i kind of i kind of find that fascinating like it's going to come up in the rogue episode we're going to deal with later like rogue's not the hero of that story by any means <laughs> yeah yeah very cool like this, this is a good this is a good good stretch for the most part with one kind of end episode that like i don't think i dislike it as much as you do but i think is is problematic um but we'll get into these these first two uh ones here time fugitives part one and two uh in part one we open up with cable in the future uh 3999 new york uh and he is uh fighting essentially terminators yeah <laughs> like, like they look like, like uh like with the melted face off like like just pure metal terminators <laughs> it's pretty funny looking i love it yeah fight, fighting robots and he's leading his his crew into the charge he's saying like uh you know no we either we either win or we die they're like oh it's hopeless it's like no this is our last stand uh you know with just kind of a, a motley crew of mutants that we don't know who they are one of them kind of looks like rachel summers and one of them um, kind of has colossus arms but no other colossus but metal. he's not the other guy with colossus arms that <laughs> ran really fast <laughs> yeah that's a different there's always a lighthouse there. there's always a there's always a guy with just colossus for arms <laughs> Uh, and that made me think of somebody who had like full bodies of Colossus for arms. Like the head was on the shoulder and there was just two <laughs> arms and two legs. <laughs> like, duh, duh. <laughs> uh, very specifically, Cable's fighting Apocalypse, uh, which is a returning villain. So we, you know, Apocalypse is there. He's like larger than life and sending these robots against um, all of these mutants and trying to exterminate the mutants, which has got to be 
as a, as a kid watching this, like it has to be like, a, I, I wonder if it occurred to any children, like, man, that's kind of depressing. Like it's 1993. Well, yeah, one. yeah. And X-Men yeah. are fighting them. And now 2000 years later he's still around that sucks <laughs> yeah he he wins you know is the is the depressing part of this and it's like they don't ever really resolve that to be a happy ending yeah you know like uh he's he's he needs to be a a, a force for conflict which is like part of his whole thing which means he's kind of right um it's very cool uh this kind of like big silly whirlwind comes through and one thing that uh, cable has um in the comics it's it's called professor and it's his computer supercomputer um, here though, it's just a, a lady computer voice. He's got this, like this Apple watch where he can ask Siri stuff about what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he thinks apocalypse is doing, he thinks it's one of apocalypse weapons. He's like, no, this is a time storm. And, and I love this scene. Cause he's like, what can I do about it? You know, how do I stop it? And they're like, you can't. Uh, and it starts like absorbing his people. Like they get sucked into this thing. Um, and the computer explains it. The reason why this time storm is happening is because the past has changed, uh, which causes the present to cease to exist. And uh, they point out Bishop as the actual fault of this. And then we get to return to Bishop, who is uh, back in 2055. And last time we left off, um, he was sent back to the future to uh, after confronting this whole uh, assassination attempt by Mystique. And he shows up and forges there. So we get to we pick it up immediately from where it left off, you know, from last season, which is a really really cool moment. Like it just mm-hmm. literally picks up and runs. Yeah. But we, he's in there with Forge and um, Forge is telling him that the, the plague is still raging out of control. And uh, since Senator Kelly was the president and he dedicated himself to mutant rights, like it, ever since that, there was a bunch of protest and this plague got out and affected mutants specifically and, and humans. Mutants were blamed and then everybody started dying. And that's when Bishop asked, like, couldn't the X-Men stop it? And, and Forge says, who are the X-Men? And which is a, yeah. a kind of a cool moment too. Like something yeah. bad has happened. Like Bishop has gone back in time and, you know, done something not great. Yeah. And the, um, so Bishop's like, okay, we have a time machine. That means I can change this and go back in time. And Forge is like, okay, you know, like <laughs> yeah, I'll, tr- I'll trust you. Uh, time, time traveler. And Forge is very patient. Like, I was outside the time stream. So <laughs> I was not affected by any change. Like he just explains things to the audience of children and Bishop who has the mind of a child. Yeah. Um, as, as is evidence in this episode, because Bishop's performances and stuff are very funny, uh, in here. Uh, so we get a harmonica wipe back to, uh, back to the past as he, he travels back and, and uh, every time and he it, talks, even in the middle of a fight, that like noise comes in. It's ridiculous. He's got a little button in his pocket. He's just, <laughs> just playing a little dot dot wave. His, his Apple Time Watch has a has a soundboard, a harmonica <laughs> yeah. soundboard. Siri, whenever I talk, make sure you play <laughs> harmonica dot mp3. Um, yeah. So he buys a newspaper and pays with it for it with an Aladdin's castle token. Uh, his weird future money. Um. Yeah, and then it's, and, and then and it's then, back to the yeah. mall, and uh, Storm yeah, that, and Jubilee are thankfully in their civ- civilian clothes, getting a CD player repaired because Jubilee keeps blowing hers up. Has it got exploded? Like, yeah. who's repairing this? This is a blown up disc man. <laughs> like, it's all crumpled and burnt and stuff. Like, what does repairing that look like? Yeah, and and this dude just seems like kind of put out by the whole endeavor. He's like, "You're back, and I have to repair this again." And I wanted to think, like, just send her to the Radio Shack down the street, man. Like, if you don't, like, you don't, ha- she doesn't have to be your customer. Yeah. Yeah, or just take her money. Like, like it doesn't look like business is booming, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, you would think, like, or a new CD player. Yeah, there, there. You'll be looking forward to, uh, you know, you'll be appreciating that business soon. 
um, once but Apocalypse the, gets his the plot moving thing here is that um, there's a guy following Jubilee and Storm and uh, he's got a watch that has all of the um, X-Men's pictures on it and he finally spots Jubilee he follows the uh, CD player repairman <laughs> because that's definitely a job that still exists somewhere and um, he follows him into the back sprays him with his watch again I think or maybe there was a gun I, I don't really remember where the, the, the spray comes from he has, he has a device a handheld because okay. it becomes like a Chekhov's virus gun later <laughs> sprays the dude the dude gets sick and then when he comes out and he's dealing with jubilee and says that he's feeling under the weather the guy with the uh the guy with the, who has sprayed him comes up and says this mutant infected this guy and then all hell breaks loose yeah he gets those little, little uh these techno organic virus lines yeah which we don't we don't know that that's what it is it's never called that but that's how that's visually kind of telegraphed in the comics Mm-hmm. is these uh these lines and will become a thing later there's a phalanx covenant episode of the show which like whoa um <laughs> we get we get warlock and like you know about two years we'll be talking about warlock um so uh storm here is is probably the you know not doing doing great work here because because jubilee uh Storm comes through and is just like, uh, calls a mist. To, like, they're like, they're mutants. And Storm's like, mutants would call them a mist to blind the hatred. <laughs> and, and just immediately shows herself to be a mutant. Uh, and then they attack her then because she immediately, was, instead of just being like, trying to calm down or just getting out of there, she decided the best way was to ineffectually use her mutant power by making a slightly less convenient air. And it's important to note that Jubilee was actually losing control of her powers. Like at this point, like she gets kind of excited and she starts blowing shit up in the electronic store. So like, yeah, things are going got out of control. And this is Storm's idea to like, I'm going to summon some mist because that will calm everybody down. Like in the middle of a yeah. mall. <laughs> yeah. What does, uh, when has mist ever made you calm? <laughs> There's a whole horror like, movie called uh, the mist. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I certainly love that. I can't see and it's clammy out. <laughs> Like this is not being able to see makes me very relaxed. Like oh, they're not man. parakeet storm. <laughs> like put the little blinds on them and make them go to sleep. Like oh. and storm, oh, uh, storm announcing what her power is and what her power will do every time she uses her powers is getting really fucking old. Like it's yeah. just it's over. I'm gonna call the rains to put out yeah. the storm. Like oh, dude, just again, just do it. I hated Storm for so long because of this. And that's why I love in that last episode so much where it's like Dark Star's like, Can you con- your power? Can you control any kind of weather? Yes. <laughs> just moving on. <laughs> it's very funny. Um, so Beast is uh, checking out Jubilee uh, in the med bay and uh, says there's nothing really wrong uh, with her. But so they decide to go into the hospital and check the uh, clerk and see what was going on with him. Mm-hmm. So Beast breaks into the hospital. Uh, it's like, okay, okay. Um, something's definitely <laughs> up. I understand you're a scientist. Sure. Uh, yeah. But th- things are moving quick, man. Life comes at you fast here because <laughs> the city has immediately started quarantining mutants, in co- uh, including Beardo. Uh, bad, bad beard and doesn't know how to dress. The two Morlocks that end up being our like, victim Morlocks whenever we need Morlocks. Yeah, anytime there's a there's somebody, being, a mutant being persecuted by the police, it's this guy. Like this yeah, poor bad, dude bad beard. Who, who has no yeah. powers except for bad beardness. Like it's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I knew a lot of guys like that in high school. <laughs> Their only power is a bad beard. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, they just it just couldn't grow in, so they just but they kept trying. Yeah, yeah pretty yeah. unfortunate. Hey, 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 kids out there, don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> just, if you can't, if you can't you. do it, just it's okay not to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Storm recognizes the guy from the CD player shop, um, and and clues the rest of the team in of like, hey, number one, like mutants are in trouble, and we should go protect them. But also, like this seems like a setup. 
Um, yeah, this dude who is protesting and saying like, "Hey, mutants carry the plague," and throwing bottles at Beardo um, was there too. So, yeah. Yeah. Bishop. In the meantime, in the time it takes the X Men to get over there, Bishop shows up first because Bishop is <laughs> Bishop follows trouble and trouble follows Bishop. Um, he tries to yeah. calm the, the crowd down and they like st- start throwing vegetables at him <laughs> like he's a bad comedian. And then he just immediately goes from calm down to shoot laser blast at the concrete in front of the civilians. <laughs> it's really amazing. <laughs> His, what was he like? He's Bishop is such a dipshit in this. And it's when we get these fights with, with cable and cable just owns everybody. It's cause he's not an idiot. Like Bishop, like his Bishop's plan is literally I'm a time traveler. <laughs> like Stop doing what you're doing. The plague is not caused by mutants, you know, and it's okay. Okay. Uh, you know, whatever, however you're dressed, I don't even know how to describe you meat thigh. Like I'm not going to trust you. Like, um, and then they, they shoot him is what, what happens. So I think this is, uh, I think we learned about his powers before, but Bishop can, uh, if he, uh, he absorbs energy and redirects it. So he's I like think, a battery. I think this is kind of the first time because in the next episode, uh, this happens to cable and cable is like, what the heck is this? I think they're kind of clear. Oh, sure. Like we haven't seen this. And also yeah. just to bring up something, uh, in the very first episode of this podcast, you started talking about Bishop and you made a, uh, he's my future joke. Yeah. <laughs> and the first <laughs> episode with Bishop from. is kind of mild with that on this episode he leans into it he got some voice direction in between these episodes because he is straight up future, future. <laughs> yeah. how many how many uh how many syllables are there in future future like oh like probably like four future you know Bishop's just family as many as you want to be <laughs> yeah just, just do it um yeah he he just and this is does that thing that cartoons do where like nobody will just fucking have a conversation that explain everything yep like you know he could be like Hey, there's, this is impossible for you to understand, but you know, I'm a time traveler. Read my mind. Like he could make this happen, you know, and make it, make it understandable, but does not. Uh, so, um, as this happened, I mean, he kind of does, but he just says, you're always a millions in my future and expects everyone to take his word for it. Um, Wolverine jumps on Bishop, uh, thrown into the mob storm, summons some rain to calm the fury. <laughs> and, I guess the and, mist uh, didn't work last time. So you're like, I, yeah. I'll try rain next. <laughs> uh, mist has evolved into rain. Um, <laughs> You can, you know, it's serious when she actually uses hail. Yeah, um, exactly. My, my, yeah. this next scene is, is one of my favorite things in the show. A friends of humanity show up. And, uh, if you've been listening to the podcast and along as it's coming out, like friends of humanities are, are basically Nazis in this thing. Like that's how, and then, yeah. and then storm runs over and I, 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 I in the notes, I wrote it like step by step because I love it so much, picks <laughs> him up, <laughs> flies him into the air, crushes his gun, puts him in the garbage can and then kicks the R- garbage R- can R- down does, the road. Storm. Yeah, Rogue does this because she shoots Storm. Yeah, and you said Storm did. Yeah, Rogue does this. Oh, sorry, uh, I, I meant yeah. Rogue. Yeah, yeah. But just like, man, fuck yeah, Rogue. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's so bash good. the bash, man. Like, yeah. If I could it make animated gifts, a... I'd make that dude into like a little miniature Trump head and then put that on the yeah. internet somewhere. It is. It is absolutely okay to beat the shit out of Nazis. Um, 100%. So, so good, good job, Rogue. Bash the bash. Um, so eventually, they kind of they just kind of withdraw. And uh, Bishop, this is when he tries to explain what's going on. Beast confirms like the virus is engineered. Um, and they're like, okay, we need to talk to the president because he's on our side now. And this is also um, um, where we hear our first time of Cyclops kind of berating Beast, uh, not Beast, excuse me, Bishop. And like, you, you can't go out on your own. You're, you're causing too many problems. But he's talking to him like he's a member of the team. And I know he's like future man with an X on his chest, but like, you're not in the team. He's not in the team, yeah. Cyclops. What are you doing? To Cyclops, everybody is an X Men. <laughs> like, just the world is made up of X Men. Um, th- this whole this we're recording two episodes today, and it is a real spotlight for angry Cyclops. 
Oh yeah. Like Cyclops is, is such a cranky little baby during all of these. It's pretty great. Like, <laughs> uh, especially it's like the one bright spot of a couple episodes coming up next episode. Um, next episode of the podcast. Um, <clears throat> so we go to the uh, friends of humanity headquarters and, uh, the head friends of humanity guy, a uh, great creed. We find out, yeah. um, says like, okay, you know, my, I'm going to beast is on TV. He's their like public face. He's a friends with the president and he's, you know, gone before Senate and stuff. We're going to infect him. And, uh, he, you know, he goes on to leave, you know, he's been talking to the scientists who made the virus. And, uh, then it's revealed that the guy who made the virus has kind of purple glowy eyes and wants to kill mutants and humans and kind of does his voice a little bit. It's not revealed yet, but we find out this is apocalypse. Yes. Essentially. Yeah. And so. then we flash over to, and th- th- this is such an abrupt change. It, it feels like they're at a, some sort of trial. Like there's a judicial committee, like people are giving speeches. There's an audience. All of the X-Men are there. Like, <laughs> whenever, it's like a public uh, debate. Whenever Beast has to talk to the president, they call a town hall meeting with the president. <laughs> Beast has that power. Mr. President, Kelly is the please. moderator. Like, <laughs> yeah. Salutations, Mr. President. Perhaps I can have a moment of your time. Um, yeah, yeah, this is, it is pretty ridiculous. I don't think I really noticed that. It feels like there's a scene missing. Like, it, really, uh, it really does. And I, I actually, I went to my DVDs, but there's no deleted scenes for this on any of the DVDs, unfortunately. Uh, so, um, uh, but uh, Creed is is talking first and he says that they should, you know, it's all of the mutants fault. And he has 5,000 uh, names that are confirmed mutants that are, that are out there that nobody knows about. And while he's saying this, it flashes through. And again, this is one of those situations where they could have just used mutants. <laughs> like, there's plenty of yeah. other mutants out there, but they go to War Machine for some reason, and like two other dudes. <laughs> I sent I you the, the screenshot dude... with this, and I, I had no idea. <laughs> the other dude, yeah, the, the other the the other dude dudes are uh, Nick Fury, and um, the other Shield guy. Uh, God, it's not Glover. Um, there's a guy who's like one of Cable's enemies. Cable's uh, villains, who is a, a shield guy. That's a that's Nick Fury in that picture. Seriously, I think that's supposed to be Nick Fury sitting at the console. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, it's very it's very weird. And War Machine should not be there. Uh, it's it it feels like an error. Um, it's also very explicitly that like I have a list of this many names it is a very explicit callback to McCarthyism. Um, that is uh you know. Um, oh, dude, that is Nick Fury, and he's also sitting backwards on his chair while wearing knee pads. <laughs> Guidance counselor, like. <laughs> I'm going to tell you kids about something life model decoys are no joke. Um, that's fantastic. I'm just going to put that in there. That's, that's, that's very good. So yeah. Uh, he so, says that they yeah. have 5,000 names. And, uh, at this point, uh, they, the, the judge or whatever, like the guy that's running this debate, like stops him and it says, okay, now it's time for the mutants turn. And Rue <laughs> looks over to beast and says, that ought to put that peck of wood in his place. <laughs> That's very good. How did that slip through the <laughs> standards and practices? Well, they just thought it was like a, a like a folksy Southern t- like word. Sure. They didn't realize that pecker means dingus <laughs> and wood means boner. Like, <laughs> just, uh, I, it's, I, it's awesome. Yeah, uh, it's so good. And we'll probably drop the pecker wood sample in there somewhere. I'm sure. Yeah, that, I, I'm I'm a big fan. Um, so the friends of humanity does again, X-Men in a million years. I never would have thought that doing this show would be too real. Uh, so the X-Men does the Alex Jones fucking pizza gate bullshit of saying like the government's, Oh, this actual like source that you're using is fake. Anything that disagrees with my point is actually a fake conspiracy, conspiracy, uh, baiting, you know? Uh, so that's what that's used to, Hey, the government is hiding something. 
uh, Beast gets up to talk to put this guy in his place, like do a real like Bill Nye debating science, you know, climate change mm-hmm. thing and just to shut this guy down. Uh, but he try he gets this little, like he has a little, uh, asthma inhaler thing. He's going to zap beast with, with some poison mist, but Bishop attacks him and the X-Men are like, what the, f- you know, what the fuck <laughs> like, Bishop calm down. Uh, and, then, know, and this is, then it just explodes. Like all of the audience yeah. members start attacking the X-Men. Wolverine starts knocking over human civilians. Like it just goes, it just, it just disintegrates and like no civilization whatsoever. Um, yeah. They finally get everybody out of there. And yet again, another example of Cyclops being like, Bishop, you're no good for the team. You're not doing it right. You're not a real X-Men. Like, I don't work for you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't sign my, I'm a time traveler. Your money is worthless to me. Um, but he says like, no, he had a, he had an airborne device and then people got sick. Uh, so, so Beast, you know, declaratively statements his way through the explanation and, uh, be, uh, Beast uses like the the Blade Runner zoom and enhance yep. thing to to verify it. Like, oh, he did have a asthma inhaler, <laughs> and he's like impressed. He's like an airborne device. He says something like fiendishly clever. <laughs> really? <Yeah. laughs> like, be shut up. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I, I love that. That's very funny. Um, so yeah. that's that's you know. Yeah, they're they're like okay, we have to go to the Friends of Humanity, but we do get a little uh, side thing to Cable, mm-hmm. who is who learns that Bishop is the key to this, uh, which is going to be more important for Episode Two. Yeah. So now the X Men uh, go to the Friends of Humanity's headquarters, which is like a dude's house, and uh, Jean well, Grey... it is that the first part of it is, but they scan it to find their like basement HQ that's full of super high tech, like <laughs> yeah. like white supremacists with like future tech. Oh man, let's hope that that never. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, um, but they, yeah, Gene Gurry, you know, scans it in and finds not only uh, Creed. Um, well, we, we didn't actually mention that during the struggle, Creed actually infects himself with his own virus. So he goes back yeah. to the, the Friends of Humanity and, and goes back to the um, the scientist who created the <clears throat> the virus and says, hey, you have to cure me. And there's kind of like a discussion happening there. Gene Gurry scans, finds that Creed is very sick and also finds this other presence, which like, you know, like we said earlier, apocalypse. Uh, they raid the place, and I just want to call out one brief moment of animation because it's going to matter in the next episode of Wolverine kind of running at, at towards a fence with the X Men in all formation behind them, Rogue and Storm flying in the air, Cyclops running the whole nine, and like Wolverine claws the fence down, and then there's a fight. I just want to call specific attention to that because we're going to see something very similar in the next episode of the show, and I'm, I'm I'll, yeah, I just want to mention it. Okay. But yeah, they but, uh, they yeah. go downstairs, they find Apocalypse, and Apocalypse does his normal thing, which is just wipe the fucking floor with the X-Men. <laughs> yeah, he he uh, can shape change, he's got all of his powers, and he's he's incredibly strong. Yeah, um, It's very cool. There's a, a line I'll always remember that I, I always think of uh, when I think of Apocalypse is, uh, you know, Creed sees that his, his lackey uh, is actually Apocalypse, and he goes like, you're a mutant! <laughs> and uh, And he goes... I am as far above mutants as they are above humans. I am as far beyond mutants as they are beyond you. I am eternal. Um, it's very cool. Apocalypse's delivery has not gotten old for me at all. Uh, whereas Creed's like that high pitch mutant stuff goes on for way too long. Yeah, yeah. Creed is pretty terrible in this. Yeah. Um, 
So this at this point, like the X Men are pretty much down. Bishop throws a grenade at the virus and then like basically <laughs> explodes the place. Apocalypse, yeah, that, that, like this airborne virus that couldn't uh, have disastrous ramifications <laughs> to like vaporize it. That's so stupid. It's so dumb. Bishop, come Bishop on, is such an idiot. Yeah. Uh, the X Men try to flee and they they get outside of the house, but uh, Apocalypse is still is still you know, in there. So he decides to just grow himself into a giant and he breaks down the house. The X-Men are right there in front of him and he just murders the X-Men like bam, kills him. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, well shit. End of the series. <laughs> We're done. Um, <laughs> but then we go to cable and uh, his computer says the virus uh, was the reason why all this stuff happened. Um, and is that uh, the, the virus is actually good for mutant kind. Um, it did uh what it is that? Mutants like to form antibodies. antibodies. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, the same way that like big plagues and whatever can can actually uh, uh, be helpful. Um, this is uh, this is one of those things. So it, it's needed. So Cable says, I have to go back and actually help Apocalypse create this virus Which, in order to protect my world. And it's been very apparent that like Cable's pretty much been fighting Apocalypse his whole life, or if not for his whole yeah. life, like he's involved in a pretty heavy war. So this is like a... A, a, a moment of crisis for him like oh crap. yeah like, i can't believe i have to, to save my own world i have to help apocalypse like he's he's torn up about this so it brings us right into uh xm 208 time fugitives part two original air date december 18th 1993 gable comes to the present to stop bishop and save his own future world but after a one-sided fight against bishop and the x-men cable realizes they they might be too powerful uh to handle on his own looking for an alternative Cable looks to the X-Men's history and discovers that Logan's healing factor may be the key to saving the future. Which again, um, like 10 minutes into the episode. TV guy, yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> it's, it's pretty much the ending, like, quote-unquote, like, twist um, here. So, yeah. yeah. We're back in uh, 3999 to start out with, and um, Cable is, like, I guess he's about to teleport back when his son, who also has a, like, android arm <laughs> and also yeah. has a weird eye, uh, his yeah, son Tyler boy. disappears to the the temporal storm. So Cable is now like all of a sudden the stakes have been greatly raised for Cable. Like his own son has isn't is gone now. I haven't thought about Tyler in a long time. Tyler is a a, a character I really hated from the '90s comics. Like when Tyler <laughs> showed up, it was like, oh geez. It reminded me of in uh, Star Trek: Next Generation when Worf's son, yep, which Alexander would show up like mm-hmm. father. You know, like he's got just a really kind of annoying voice. And I was just like, man, Worf, like, why do you don't have to deal with this, this bullshit? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anywho, the, um, yeah, yeah. This is, uh, it's something. Um, but so Tyler shows up, so he's like, oh shit, now I'm really going to do it. Yep. Cable um, teleports back in time. And I love that if you're going to teleport back to 1993, you're going to do it in this alley in New York. Like there's no other spot. <laughs> the temporal, temporal codex. <laughs> But he he teleports to the spot or time travels to the spot that Bishop always shows up in, and he does it right as Bishop has teleported back. So it's it's kind of an interesting moment where we know we all of this has already happened one way, so we immediately think like, oh shit, now Cable is here, so this is going to play out differently. And there's a great exchange between Cable and here Bishop where go Cable goes, again. Bishop, I already know that part. <laughs> Just, yeah, I I think that that's very very funny. Um. The uh, it's actually pretty like uh, awesome though, like just how you know, kind of weird that kids are uh, seeing this thing where it's like, oh, they have to understand that this is the same thing that already happened mm-hmm. again. Like they have to understand timelines and things like that. And I, I love that trust, you know. 
Absolutely. And the rest of this episode does some really fun, like it doesn't get to a primer level of time travel, but like it it does some fun stuff. You don't have to take notes. You don't need a diagram. At least I don't think you do. So, so Uh, Cable is unprepared for, for Bishop's, uh, you know, power set. And he's not, you know, the telekinetic God that he, he actually is, you know, when he doesn't have the techno organic virus going on, uh, Cable would be a telekinetic God. So he's not using those powers. And he's kind of surprised. So he actually loses the Bishop, mm-hmm. but he has these teleporting things he can do called body slides. Um, so he body slides by one. That's how he decides, you know, how many, he tells his little his Siri how to do it. And he intercepts Bishop and they're fighting more. So this is a lot of fighting in this, uh, this episode. And it's the best fighting in the series. I think Yeah, um, like these are really, really cool fights. And they have, they both have kind of interesting, not only do they have interesting powers, but they also have like interesting technology with them. So like there's this whole scene where Bishop is hiding and cables like uses his infrared eye to scan. And like it's as cheesy as it sounds, it's actually pretty cool because usually with the X-Men it's Scotch using laser beams, Wolverine's using claws. Like it's just, it's a one by one per mutant thing. And now, now we have like kind of a mixed set, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. And if if we didn't have kind of cool technology, 2000 years in the future, you know, just for regular war. Like it would be pretty sad state of affairs. So like he can do, he does a lot of stuff during this fight like that. Uh, seeing through walls, it, it feels kind of video gamey in a way that I like, like, Oh, these are like dishonored powers. Like yeah. the little, like the little, you know, he gets, um, specifically that, that, uh, IR thing. He gets a thing where he can generate, um, decoys. Um, he gets a gun that destroys cover. And I'm like, Oh, these, <laughs> these are all like, you know, this is, this is very much like a uh, video game power ups, but he's, you know, he's, he's a fully powered character. So the X-Men show up to where this, uh, the Beardo and, and company are getting, uh, kind of harassed, um, while this fight is going on. Mm-hmm. So Bishop couldn't be there to like stand there and, and, you know, blast, uh, all the, uh, the protesters. Well, he does that. Uh, like Bishop gets away from cable because, Oh, you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Th- there's a, there's a moment where cable had, had him in his, had Bishop in his sights and chooses not to kill him. And then like has this conversation where the computer chides him and is like, like Syria is like, no, no, you really should have killed him. Cable. And cable's like, I've seen so much killing. Like, didn't you yeah. come in here to kill this dude? Like, I thought that was what you were doing, man. And not unless he has to, if he can convince him not to, he says like, I'm not going to kill him until I have to. Yeah. Um, yeah. but then we see Bishop, we catch up with Bishop as he's blasting, the all of the humans again he loses his temper except this time cable is on the roof taking pot shots at him and that's yeah when, that's when the x-men show up and all of this is super good i love this yeah the x-men notice uh cable first they're like what's that uh wolverine's like who's that time jockey <laughs> uh, and uh, uh so they, they want to help bishop because they know him uh and rogue knows cable from genosha but she doesn't know anything about him because honestly like cable's appearance in genosha was a total non sequitur like we never get a real follow up on who the leader was or the wild man of Borneo or any of that stuff. Like that never get becomes a thing. So don't don't hold your breath for this to provide the link between you know 1993 cable and 39 you know 99 cable. Uh, just never going to happen. Um, but what it means is that uh, Rogue knows knows him, but doesn't necessarily know he's a good a good guy. You know? I, had, I had completely forgotten because I was watching this and Rogue does recognize him, but I had completely forgotten that Rogue and Cable like were the ones to try to break Storm and them out of that. Uh, oh, sure. Genosha. Yeah. So when she said that, I was like, is there some other time travel shit in here that I'm missing or or what? Yeah. yeah. And I, I they do the thing that, you know, that the X-Men do, which is just kind of try to get everyone to stop fighting so they can figure out what's going on, you know? So uh, they kind of, they kind of fight both sides. The rest of so. the uh, X-Men at this point, um, Oh no, this is where Cable puts out his decoy and Bishop starts shooting at the decoy and it goes through and he's super disappointed about the whole thing. Oh man! The the rest of the X-Men start fighting. Uh, 
Cable, like, I love this whole thing because it's fairly complicated for a fight scene. Cable shoots the building that the Blackbird has landed on, which causes Cyclops to fall, and the plane. Storm has to swoop down and grab Cyclops, and Jean's trying to, like, hold onto this plane, which she can barely do with her telekinetic powers until Rogue comes over there and, save her and saves her. And it's it's classic Cable, right? Like, he's a very, he's a tactics guy. So, like, shooting yeah. us to distract them and to make them busy while he's focusing on his target is, I think, very, very smart. Like, whoever's writing this fight scene is actually doing a really good job. It's also in uh, in line with the comics, Cable. Like, uh, the first com- the first comic I remember with Cable, and it probably wasn't the first one I read, was part of that Fatal Attractions crossover we talked about last time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the X-Force version of that, Cable had been missing for a long time. He comes back to the X-Force compound, and there's, like, a mysterious assailant that's taking everyone out. Um, and it's Cable taking everyone out, but he's just using their tactics against them and using his mind. So Cable at his best. Like, he's kind of a Rob Liefeld nightmare character. Like, you know, lots of pouches, lots of builder pads and shit. But mm-hmm. at his best, as, like, a... a you know, the dark side of the, the the Xavier's dream kind of forged in under Apocalypse's rule. Like, I actually like the character, yeah, uh, you know, uh, at, at, at its uh, at its core. Um, so Rogue and, Rogue and Cable are fighting. Cable essentially just has this gun, this <laughs> this cool cool laser gun. This is where he's using his gun that destroys cover. Yeah. Like, Bishop is running away, and he zaps, like, a, a you know a garbage can that Bishop's hiding behind, and it just starts glowing. Like, it's like a gun that shoots Gambit's power. <laughs> Which is, which is way better than Gambit, just in general. <laughs> yeah. Who, by the way, is is yeah. here? We haven't mentioned Gambit, but he has basically nothing to do. Like he shows up and throws a yes. card and then leaves. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> um. The the thing that I also like here is that Gambit, or not Gambit, excuse me, Cable also takes a little time out of this fight to like beat up on some friends of humanity's assholes. Yeah. <laughs> which is really that, good. That's the flash, man. Yeah. The um. So Cable is like, okay, you know, I'm not losing this fight necessarily, but I'm not winning. Um, I need to know more about these guys. Cause again, he's a smart fighter. Uh, so he body slides out, uh, and learn and uses computer to learn about the X-Men. Um, this is the little hint about the Cyclops and Jean gray. We're like, this is Cyclops. got summaries. goes, I already know about him and Jean gray. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's all the show does to hint that he's their son from the future, which is probably um, pretty smart. Like this is, this is good stuff because if you're, if you're what if you're reading the comic books like with the show like you pretty much already know this and it's a fun like hey it's like a fun like little cameo but if you're not reading the comics if this is your only exposure to the X-Men you immediately want to know more of like well wait why does he know more and like wants want to go yeah. seek that out it's just another example of the show and the comics like really working together like super well yeah it's very cool uh you know it is uh, I like it a lot um so he eventually gets the Wolverine and his X-Men like Rolodex and it's like, okay, that, that gives me an idea. Uh, cut back to that hearing, the weird court case or whatever is going on there. And, uh, Cable, uh, what is the, what is this quip you've got in the notes? Tell me it. Cause I don't remember. <laughs> it's, it. uh, it's when Cable comes out of the telephone and he says, it's time to reach out and touch someone. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's still, that commercial, uh, is still relevant. That would be like us remembering commercials from Babylonian times. Sure. Yeah. Does like, why, why, does, why does he know? <laughs> How does he know a 2,000-year-old commercial? <laughs> like, like, the, the, like the Terminator comes through the, the time thing. It's like, where's the beef? And then, <laughs> like, don't use slogans, Cable. Starman shows up and is like, I'm a PC. What are you? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that's so stupid. So good, so good. Oh man. But the same scene is playing out, right? So like uh Creed has gotten up to do his thing. We don't get to hear Rogue say Peckerwood for a second time, but I'll probably put the audio in here anyway. That ought to put that Peckerwood in his place. <laughs> um and at this point Beast has gotten up to give a speech and Bishop attacks uh, Creed, who was trying to infect uh, Beast with his technovirus. And that's where Cable shows up. And then just everything again just goes to shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Well, th- this is Cable's idea to do this because he's just trying to lure Wolverine out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Wolverine, Wolverine shows up. Uh, Cable calls him outdated. <laughs> and it really uh, which pisses was... Wolverine off. That's <laughs> <laughs> really good. Um, I love it. And then uh, Cable, again, playing the long con, just grabs Wolverine and just teleports away. Um, Gene gets a telepathic read on him. Is like, oh my god! Uh, but you know, he's got Wolverine, which is what he needs. Mm-hmm. And then we, he teleports him into like the world scummiest hotel and like tries to explain what's going on. And of course, Wolverine is not having any of this stuff. All he yeah. wants to do is fight. So w- Cable just knocks him out. And yeah. then like <laughs> the scene, <laughs> Wolverine wakes up and like he's still like nothing changes. And then they just teleport away. <laughs> like he still doesn't know what's going on. He had dreams kind of, of them becoming me. friends. Yeah. Like, which I mean, it isn't in the, the cartoon, but uh, you know, it's not like uh, a cable is not a tele, you know, a telepathic like cable would technically be able to just make Wolverine do the thing. Yeah. Um, so for people who don't uh, don't read the comics at all, like Cable's whole thing is he's like a mega powerful telepath, but he has this virus that is a machine taking over his body, and it takes almost all of his power to stop it from doing so. Yeah. So he uses all of his telekinesis to stop this virus from encroaching. If he didn't have to do that, he would be like a god tier, you know, best telekinetic uh, in the world. Which I'm sure will be very well explained and realized in Deadpool too. Yes. <laughs> to a theater <laughs> near you. Um. So so, so he yeah and. So he should have taken Beast there to translate all the smart words to, to Wolverine, but instead he makes him take a, a exposition nap. So Wolverine wakes up knowing what's going on. Um, and when Wolverine wakes up, he's in the Friends of Humanity HQ. Or he wakes up and then is teleported because that's where uh, Cable needs to go to find the virus. And uh, we see this at this point. This is the scene that I was calling back. So the, the they they teleport in, and then in the same scene we see the X Men plane land, and this is the X Men. It, from the previous episode, like raiding the HQ and trying to get to the lab underneath, except this time, like there's this really cool animation scene. And I, I wanted to call it out because the animation in this series is especially starting from these episodes has gotten better and better and better. Like I, some of these episodes I think are actually really, really good and hold up and stuff like this. have taken the time to do two different scenes of this uh, one with Wolverine in the lead and one with Cyclops. I thought was very, very cool. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, these are superlative episodes. Like these are episodes. I think you had to watch the Bishop episodes to really get them Mm -hmm. before this. But if you were going to like sell the series on anyone, it would be this pair of episodes. Um, You know, it it is like a, a, you know, clever time travel story. And I haven't Uh, caught it up every single time. But if you're if you're out there trying to picture these fights, anytime Bishop does anything, you do hear the harmonica song (laughs) every single time. Yeah. And we, we don't I don't think we get cable theme. I don't think we, have we do a couple dun, times. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Okay, cool. And, I, and I, every time it happens, like I'm fist pumping in the air. I'm like, yeah. Yes. Dun, 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 dun. Um, so they, they show up here. Apocalypse shoots Wolverine, uh, which causes him to fall into the virus storage. And they're the X-Men are about to save him. They're like, oh, no. And Cable puts his arm and is like, no, this is what we need. Uh, and everybody, you know, we the audience gets it. Uh, at this point um but uh, you know for people who don't understand it uh wolverine getting the virus is the best possible way to create the antibodies mm-hmm. um 
because he's got the healing factor. I do want to call out that every time Cable sees Apocalypse in the past, he's like, my name is Cable. Remember it. And it happens, yeah. like, I think, twice during like a five-minute span. <laughs> like, Cable it, is really fucking with this dude at this point. It's kind of a, a badass move, though. Like, if you imagine, like, you just see some guy you never, you know, don't know him. He just seems like some random weirdo. And he's like, remember my name. And then he turns out to be the biggest thorn in your side for the rest of your life, like the one leader of the resistance and shit. Like, that's 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 pretty awesome. You know, the first time like Apocalypse first saw him, it, it's, it's a pretty really, baller really move. Good. Yeah, I, I yeah. Like this. It's, it's it's very funny, but it's a cool, it's a power play, uh, which I like a lot. Um, so the virus is destroyed. Apocalypse gets furious in here, and Bishop goes back to his future. I like how um, in this in this timeline, Apocalypse leaves. <laughs> like he's not even yes, he's not mad he's enough just, to kill the X Men. He's like he's mad enough yeah. to go. <laughs> well, he's it was never his like intention just to kill the X Men. He wants the strongest to survive, and the the yeah. virus was the point of that. So the X Men that can survive the virus, he wants to survive. You know, so it, it makes sense with his ideology at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Forge doesn't know anything about the plague, so their future is kind of saved. Um, Wolverine is fine. You know, he's well, doc, do I get a clean bill of health? <laughs> like it's very, it's a very weird scene. Um, and then, uh, cable goes back to his future and everything is, you know, still, still fine apocalypse, but it's not time stormed out. Yeah, and, and, uh, Tyler, and, and Tyler is back. Uh, and then there's the scene where beast is looking at the antibodies and it's like, wow, these are going to be really useful. And I'm like, what are you going to do yeah. with those antibodies beast? <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. Nothing good. Dark beast. <laughs> um, yeah, we get that. We get the little, uh, microscope shot with the, uh, you know, the, the, the cool little antibodies, uh, grabbing the, the cells. Because when it comes to Wolverine, even his antibodies have to be badass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And then like the bucking the trend of the season, um, like we don't get any kind of Magneto or Xavier business in the Savage Land, which thank God, what a relief. Which um, makes me feel like, and I don't, I don't have anything to back this up, but this, I was wondering whether this is a, uh, were season one episodes. Yeah, I could yeah, see at some that. Because they're, they're direct sequels to it, and they don't have anything to do with the kind of short story structure of this season. Yeah, we cover this series in the the episode aired order, and we go by like the, the creator's website on like what season one and season two is. But the DVDs are all over the place. Um, like, yeah. I had I had actually these at the end of season one, I think. like I think these are on the season one DVDs, if I remember correctly. Like, yeah. When I ripped them from the DVD the first time, I was like, oh, shit, all my numbers are wrong. Like, they're not matching up on the internet because, yeah, all of this stuff. So there's definitely some, some, some weirdness going on with the ordering, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Um, should we spotlight? We should do a spotlight. These are the tales of the tales. Yeah, and we talked about uh, cable, cable, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So yeah, cable is. I find him fascinating. Like I didn't particularly like him in like early nineties X-Force stuff. Uh, but when I, and I, about that time is when I was getting out of comics. So, and then I, when I got back into them, I picked up a series called like, uh, I think it was Deadpool and Cable actually, where like Cable is a mutant Messiah creating a, like, a, like this, like ultimate, like palace thing out in the ocean. And like some of that stuff was like some of the strongest Cable comics that I've read, even with Deadpool and it being goofy, because like Cable seemed to have like these crazy motives and things that he wants to do to save the human race or the mutant race and all this other stuff. And I tried to keep up with it for as long as I could, but it just never went anywhere for me. And uh, yeah, and I, yeah. I I wanted it to go somewhere. And then I, I went back and read some of the Hope stuff where he's protecting Hope and and things like that. And that that's interesting and good, but 
I, I don't know. Like, what, what was your kind of first? You mentioned your first cable experience, but where did you finally grow to like him at? Um, well, I probably liked him then because I was a little kid, and I I remember liking X Force, um, which X Force is like that uh, incarnation of X Force is objectively, I think, pretty shitty, but. I remember liking it. Um, and it sucks because it's born right out of the new mutants. So the new mutants, which are pretty cool are just teens. And then, you know, dark dad comes along to turn them into military teens and it like becomes less cool. Um, but I liked it cause I was, you know, that age, uh, where I liked that stuff. Um, and then I kind of fell out of it. And when I came back, uh, was when they were doing the cable and Deadpool stuff, which had a really good reputation, but I never watched it because I didn't, or never read it because I don't like Deadpool. And all my, all my memory of cable was him being pretty shitty. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually he kind of joined the X-Men. He kind of had some dalliances with them. And that kind of got me into reading it a little bit. Um, and the uh, reading about him, he's a really interesting character because he's got, um, out of all the different time travelers, he's got like such a permanent sense of stakes, you know, mm-hmm. um, where it's like, you know, I've seen the, you know, he's the the guy who has seen the bad future. Bishop has as well, but Bishop is a little bit more naive and stuff because he's younger. Cable has been fighting his entire life. So it's like, uh, and there's all this stuff with him being trained to be the perfect soldier by the Oscani and all these things from the, the pretty, pretty lamentable, uh, Cyclops and Jean Grey, uh, miniseries. Um, and his, his origin, if I'm remembering correctly, is that, uh, in the future, Scott and Jean have a baby or is it, is it the future or is it a different timeline? I can, I can never remember. Like, I don't, I don't quite, I think it may be a different timeline and they hide him in the time stream to like save him. From yeah. Apocalypse. So he grows up like bouncing through timelines and and bouncing through like all of these different time periods and full of war. Like that's all this dude does for his entire life is fight. Well, and the interesting thing is like, this is so the, the fact that he is this Messiah and has these powers and stuff, this is why sinister wants him. So when sinister wants Jean gray and Cyclops, it's because of cable. Yep. Uh, and that does, doesn't get a, a payoff in this cartoon yet. I think that it maybe is referenced later, but so far it doesn't really do that, but making him making apocalypse his villain instead of sinister was a very weird choice to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it speaks to the fact that some of that stuff was made up as it went along, you know, as, as they, they were going along. I don't think cable was introduced. Um, I think he was always supposed to be Jean gray and Cyclops's, uh, son, but I don't think that Mr. Sinister's motivations were introduced at that point. Um, you know, there's some weird, weird kind of stuff with, with comics and retcons and everything to make that a thing, but that kind of pays off the age of apocalypse stuff where, uh, Nate gray, um, as opposed to that version of cable, who is like a, a young guy is like literally like he's the one who wins age of apocalypse more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and takes it back to, and he goes back to the real world and like, he's a Messiah there. Like he, uh, you know, X man is a, uh, is his name, which is a terrible name, but he, uh, like he floats around and he kind of like, he's like the philosophical super, he's like too powerful to care about regular things. And, like he doesn't wear shoes because he doesn't have to walk because he just floats everywhere. Like they do a good job of explaining, you know, so in a weird way, he pulls double duty as showing the stakes for the future under apocalypse like hey apocalypse it may sound like survival of the fittest is all right you and randis motherfuckers but it's really not <laughs> and then uh it also shows like uh, uh motivates sinister like the fact that he's so powerful makes sinister make a little bit more sense um which Should is we cool. even get into um hit strife at all or do you just want to step past that no. <laughs> yeah let's let's skip so there's a clone of of uh cable he's called <laughs> I was, strife I was saying that as a joke yeah. like yeah go, go look that up if you want like a wiki hole to drop into sometime yeah strife who is the uh main antagonist of the uh not uh extinction executioner song which is another early 90s crossover that like i have some affection for because i read it at the appropriate time you know it's not good the, 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 
are the tales of the gods. So moving on to XM209, a rogue's tale, original air date, January 8th, 1994. When Mystique forces Rogue to revisit her own past, Rogue's overpowering flashbacks cause her to relive the encounter with Miss Marvel and drive her from the X-Men. Rogue struggles with Miss Marvel's thoughts, uh, which are trapped in her mind, and the two battle it out on the psychic plane. A much better psychic plane than the psychic planes we've seen before. I'm yeah, this is better than Shadow King shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. uh, I think I texted you on the Slack of like, I was way surprised in this episode. <laughs> like I reading the description, I thought this was going to be handled pretty poorly. And I think some of rogue's voice acting in the early scenes gets a little too much, but man, like it's actually kind of handled pretty well. Uh, I, I don't like the fact that it gets glossed over all at the end, but like at the beginning of this, I'm, I, I was really, really digging it, this, this episode. It's um, it's, it's the best possible way they could have explained rogue's actual origin. Mm-hmm. Like, because they couldn't have done this as like a little cutaway during the first episode, it would have been unreasonable. But they actually handle kind of pushing that aside and sticking a pin in it, uh, and making it a reveal later for Rogue as well. You know, making it this this kind of these memories coming back that she had kind of suppressed is a really elegant way to to explain why like oh everyone just totally trusts Rogue. They don't think of her as a former supervillainess. They don't you know think about her crimes to the Avengers and stuff. So it's it's really really elegantly done. And uh, moves, you know, moves at a good pace. Um, it's got a couple of visual things I'm not crazy about, but I think this actually does a pretty good job of things. It doesn't. Uh, I don't know how it would play to somebody who has no idea about the comics. So you just kind of have to assume, like, you know, it's a, anything where it acknowledges other superheroes in the world in a non-Easter egg fashion uh, means you have to start dealing with the fact that, like, oh, Apocalypse is here. Why are you not calling the Avengers? <laughs> Exactly. You know, like that would have been a thing to do, um, you know, so acknowledging the presence of the Avengers in a direct way like that is a little weird, but that's that's comics. Yeah. Um, and, and if you yeah. don't know the comics, like this is just some random superhero like that shows up. Miss Marvel is just like some chick like you have no idea yeah. about her. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting yeah. thing. But uh, yeah. get into the episode. This this first kind of cold open scene is is very 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 good like i love mm-hmm. i love the the woman walking down the street and then the guy tries to like mug her for her umbrella but like yeah not her wallet or anything she's just he's just got yeah. some water in his eye and turns around and was like you give me your umbrella like, <laughs> um and she uh, puts the umbrella down and when it comes back up she's a monster mm-hmm. uh and scares him away and this uh this is actually a mystique yep um and she's going to go meet mr sinister here because she needs a powerful evil mutant to serve yeah. At any given point, she, she's, she she needs a she needs someone to tell her what to do at all times. Unfortunately, yeah, uh, I, I do want to call it like this particular scene. It has some pretty good lighting, even if it's there's some really like ham handed like I guess I would say prop work. Except it's like it's like a cartoon. But at some point, Mystique lights a candle and like that's on like a little candle holder thing, <laughs> like an old timey like I'm gonna walk around my mansion, <laughs> and mm-hmm. then um, she drops it when. Sinister tells her that Xavier is no longer with the X-Men. Sinister walks over, steps on the candle, and then Mystique is like, oh, I still need light, and like flicks a Zippo <laughs> to light it yeah. up. And as dumb as that is, the actual lighting effects here look really, really cool. Like They do this several times where Sinister is talking, and he's just red eyes on a black screen, which is yeah. the best that Sinister could ever be. <laughs> it's also um, cool blocking. Like it's giving these characters something to do other than just stand and kind of proclaim things to each other. Mm-hmm. It's cinematic in a way that this cartoon is not always cinematic. Yep. Uh, super good. Um, so uh, meanwhile, we go to the fair um, where Avalanche and Pyro are attacking um, with Blob. And this is the uh, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, um, essentially Mystique's team 
uh, who she inherited from from uh, Magneto yep. here in their first appearance. And and Blob has this line delivery of finding like, so Blob is not like his superpower is not that he's fat. And there's nothing about Blob that should imply that he overeats. He's got a mutant condition where he's, you know, has the suite of powers and stuff. But the cartoon version is just a big fat piece of shit who can't avoid ice cream when it's there. <laughs> like I've got a mission, but I'm going to sit here because there's tutti frutti ice cream. <laughs> And the way he's like, tutti, fruity. That's really like, weird. Like, oh, man, <laughs> it's very strange. And tutti, fruity is one of those things where like, I never saw that when I was a kid, but I saw it uh, referenced, you know, like, like it would show up in things like this. Uh, I guess it is a frozen yogurt. Yeah. That, I just, I literally had to Google it just now because I was like, I'm not sure what tutti, fruity is. Apparently there's some, there's some tutti, fruity stores local to me though. That's weird. It's, yeah, it's a frozen yogurt with chopped up pieces of candy inside it. Yeah, um, but, which, but the case yeah. he's eaten out of it just says like vanilla ice cream. So like really yeah. a breakdown. Of he just <laughs> yeah, he just thinks all ice cream is duty fruity. Sure. Um, and yeah. the X Men show up like it's another day at the office. Like these dipshits are ruining the carnival. But also, I like this because this is finally like X Men doing some superhero shit. Like some mutants, like some bad mutants are doing some bad shit, and the X Men have shown up to try to stop them. Like it's not finally we have something that's like of not of their own creation you know what i'm saying or somebody like it's it's actual like superhero team business and i, I kind of dig this yeah yeah it is uh it's also it's superhero team business um even though it is still a subversion because it is they're being lured here yeah you know this is not actually uh i just like know. seeing the x-men not be terrorists for one goddamn minute gary give it to oh, me totally. <laughs> <laughs> just give it to um me. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I agree with you there. Um, Storm yeah. goes flies up and a uh, blob accuses her, or I don't think accuses her. Says that she can't have any ice cream and then throws yep. the ice cream at her. <laughs> yep, knocks her out of the air and knocks her out by getting hit with a gallon of ice cream. Good job, extremely Storm. good. Yeah, um, very funny. Um, you know, Rogue gets knocked into some ice cream. There's a lot of ice cream going on. <laughs> a lot of ice cream in this episode. And ice cream wipe too. Um, so and she starts having these kind of visions here. Um, she's been having these visions, uh, in the, the time she tells the team, uh, like Xavier had blocked out a bunch of her memories at this point. Yeah. Uh, at, at some point, point in the, past. the team is are, are back at the X mansion. Like they've obviously yeah, locked us at rest and brought her back and she wakes up in the med bay. Yeah. And they don't capture, uh, avalanche and, and pyro say when they show up, they're like, Hey, we did what we need to do. They showed up. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Um, and then they run away. And, um, I just want to make note, like since their, uh, time in Louisiana, Gambit and Rogue are now like very like cuddly and you know PDA with each other as much as Rogue can have PDA with somebody. Yes, um, this is building to something in the next yep. uh, set of episodes we're going to talk about. So uh, she's kind of freaking out, and um, she flies out of the host- out of the the med bay window. Which okay, whatever. <laughs> and uh, she comes across Wolverine, who is taken his the top of his uniform on left the bottom of the uniform yeah. <laughs> and is chopping wood with his claws which okay <laughs> like whatever dude that's what that's what you do in your spare time uh but she yeah. starts like flashing with this like uh unknown blonde woman on top of wolverine and the blonde woman is like saying things that are like you know you, this is your fault and so she starts attacking wolverine gambit comes up behind her and the same thing happens she attacks gambit and then freaks out when she sees that it's gambit and this continues to happen for like a while like this is probably like a good five or six minutes of rogue seeing an x-man thinking that it's the blonde woman and then just tripping out and flying away yeah so she, she she's she's having a mental breakdown mm-hmm. 
the, um, the 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 big moment is where Jean Grey finds her, and then senses another presence in her mind, and then uh, yeah, yeah. So she flies away again, which like take a shot every time Rogue runs away from her problems in this episode. Uh, yeah. She flies to the Statue of Liberty, which. Well, she also, she flies crashing through the floors of the mansion, Oh yeah, which I know she's done that before too, where she just goes, psh, psh, psh. it's like a cutaway, like a doll's house, you know, as they, they, they smash it, smash it away out, which is amazing. Like, there, God damn it, that, rogue. There's that great shot too, where you're like looking, um, where like, cause each floor and directly on top of each other and X-Man is doing something like storms yeah. at the top in her garden, Jubilee's playing video games, Wolverine's doing something like, and you get to see that moment where they all like look up <laughs> at the camera yeah. from the hole. It's a really good shot. It, it, it's great. It, it's, it's super good. It's also uh, a good reason why Rogue only gets one car instead of her two cars for a month that she would be paid with because <laughs> they had to sell one of those cars to fix the, the X floor. <laughs> I wonder um, who's cashing uh, Xavier's checks since he's been in the Savage Land. Do you think that's just, oh man, they're, they're just on an auto draft? You think like yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it just it, yeah, everything's on auto pay. Otherwise, he he left his ATM card with Scott. Um, the uh, some somebody's maybe making withdrawals. Not Gene. <laughs> I, was, um, <laughs> I was gonna say that his ATM code is probably spells out Gene. So good job. Yeah, <laughs> Gene XXX because my name is Xavier. You see. <laughs> Um, yeah. but, uh, so rogue sees yet again, the blind woman, and this time the blind woman leads her to the hospital where, uh, she says, I'm here, I'm here. Um, and then th- this is a, a kind of a weird thing. Like rogue goes into the hospital and storm follows her mystique is there and fools storm storm gets knocked out. And then mystique tells via the storm's communicator, like, Hey, X-Men, you need to come down here, which to me, if storm said, you have to come to the hospital immediately. I would get dressed up in my uniforms and then get in the X plane and I would fly to the hospital. The X Men instead get in the convertible, <laughs> drive <Yeah. laughs> to the hospital. You've got a plane. Why are you driving anywhere? Yeah. Uh, the uh, I have no idea if the idea was that they were going to, you know, they thought that they would go to the hospital and like read a story to an old person or something, you know, it's just like normal. Like you gotta get down here. These people don't know the end of the very, you know, the very fretful pup or whatever, whatever, you know, um, it's like Johnny Depp keeping his pirates of the Caribbean uniform and going to the yeah. children's hospital thing. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but yeah, yeah so, so, so the, the, we find out about this, this blonde character, this blonde lady yeah. who is Jane Doe. They don't know her name. She has no brain activity. Um, so it's like, okay, um, the X-Men show up and the brotherhood gets the drop on them as kind of a, to trap them. So there's a little bit more fight here. And this is, you know, this is just typical, like, I I think it's good. I think it's okay right here. Like this fight scene is okay, but like literally everybody has a really dumb one-liner. Like it's just some really bad, like dialogue, which I I come to expect and also love in this show. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, it, it does kind of undersell some of the stakes, you know, it's like why you're stopping to make these quips while your friend is you're presumably missing and very hurt and etc. You've got a super powered um, teammate. That's literally going crazy. You should probably yeah. not be worried about the funny. Stop her right before now. she kills. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and she's, she's going to see that blonde person on a human and punch them. And that's it. She's literally so. busting up the hospital, Gary. She breaks open elevator doors. Yeah. She's f- crashing through walls. Like she's in full on like crazed. Like I have got something I'm going to hurt somebody mode. Yeah. Pretty, um, pretty bonkers. She finally finds the blonde woman in the hospital, this Jane Doe, and uh, Mystique is there. And Mystique says, you know, since Xavier's gone, I can finally have you back. I can I can finally restore your memories. All you have to do is touch me. Yeah. And, and Rogue doesn't know anything. She's like, what are you talking about? 
<clears throat> excuse me, she's like, what are you talking about? She touches Mystique, and then we get a, a good flashback to um, our buddy Cody from the X-Men movie sure. episode. Yes. Yep. And from the episode, the first episode of this show. That's true. Where she's walking around, and she's like, you know, this is how my powers work. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and just says it. So Cody was her first boyfriend. Uh, when she gets hurt, we find out the rogue's dad uh, is going to make America great again. <laughs> I like that you have that on here. He's making America great again hat. Uh, and this huge beer gut, uh, like a big strong beer gut. Like he's a real wide guy. Yeah. yeah he's, uh, and he's and just a like tight t-shirt too, man. He's yeah, really working it. <laughs> yeah. And just, it was like, he was born in that t-shirt and it just grew up around him. Um, and he's, he's a real shithead. Like he's just, you know, I'm embarrassed to be around you. Like you're disgusting. You know, this is, this is abuse and rogue is very upset. And the voice acting here is, is touching and good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she runs away and runs into mystique who kind of taught her how to use her powers, uh, in order to do crime. Like Mystique uh, took her in, in her kind of thing. And it was like, and then in the comics, this is Mystique, Destiny and Rogue. Destiny does not show up here. Uh, who is Mystique's lover? Because Mystique is bi. And uh, teaches teaches Rogue to do crimes in this specific sense uh, to steal a fighter jet. Here. So I got a question for you. Like, because I, I don't remember in the comics very well, but here it's, it's kind of presented like Mystique showed her how to use these powers and, um, Rogue even says, like, you taught me how to use my powers for my ultimate job. And then they show her breaking into the, presumably a military base to still this fighter pilot. Like, do you think that Rogue realized she was a, a supervillain at this point? Or do you think that she thought that all of these guys were pretty normal and, like, this was something that they were doing for the, the betterment of mankind? Um, my, I think that in canon, like, she just was, like, because she's pretty, in her first appearance when she's, you know, still kind of a shitbag, like, she's making quips and being kind of shitty. Okay. I think that she's just kind of, you know, she genuinely reforms. I don't think she was fooled the entire time. So, yeah. So she gets into the fighter jet and like starts to take off when Miss Marvel shows up and Miss Marvel yes. pretty quickly dust off the other brotherhood people and then starts chasing rogue in this jet. There's a scene here that I love it. And I love it so much. <laughs> she <Ms>. Marvel <laughs> flies up, opens the top of the fighter jet. Like it's a sardine can comes in and then just closes it right behind her like a sliding glass. Door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> That's really it's good. So good. Dude. So good. Um, um, so, so rogue grabs her, uh, does the thing and she can't let go. Um, Miss Marvel has, uh, you know, some pretty intense magic powers. I don't actually have deep catalog on Miss Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, She's she's like so, cosmic, right? Like she's like yeah. free and all this other stuff. Like and it, yes. So she doesn't technically have like mutant powers, but she does. I think she does have some form of of like native abilities. So whatever whatever this cosmic force is, when Rogue interacts with it, it causes this weird mind meld, and it makes it permanent, which has never happened to Rogue before. Usually her usually her powers only last either a few minutes or at long at the longest like a couple of days. Uh, but this yes. this is, makes it a permanent thing, and she. During this scene, she's saying, like, I want to let go, Mama. I want to let go, talking to Mystique. And Mystique is like, you can't, you can't. And then after this, uh, Rogue says, you knew what this would do to me. Like, you knew that it would, you know, I would yeah. do this. Which is an interesting thing, because I just don't, I don't know, I don't see Mystique's motivation here. <laughs> like, I just don't, unless it's just to kill uh, Miss Marvel, I guess. I guess that Well, was it's also, the Rogue gets these powers, and Mystique is using Rogue as, like, a tool. You know, so this is, it should be noted, we didn't really mention this, but this is back when Rogue only had her power draining powers. She couldn't fly. She wasn't invulnerable. She wasn't super strong. Yeah. So this is how that happens is from Miss Marvel, uh, for people who are not familiar with Miss Marvel. Um, And that's what makes Rogue so effective. Like she's, you know, other than Jean Grey and Storm, like the most powerful X-Men. 
uh, on the team. So, so. Um, there's a scene where at the end of this fight, uh, Miss Marvel takes off into the air and then falls and then falls on top of Rogue, but Rogue survives it because now she's got Miss Marvel's powers. Um, they lift the mask off of Miss Marvel and it's revealed to be the Jane Doe that we saw earlier. And there's this, you know, pretty good wipe where they go from one to the other, um, it went from the past to the hospital bed. <clears throat> and at this mm. point, Rogue runs away from Mystique going back to our flashback. And this is where Xavier <laughs> yes. finds, finds her and like hails her literally by saying, mutant, mutant. <laughs> like a, a, a hello would same, work. Same, same. Also, you know her name. Yeah. You know, she's presumably one of your best friends, if not, you know, one of your, uh, your students or team or however you want to put it. Well, I, I got the um, idea that this was this was his first meeting. Like he found her on Cerebro, like a mutant. Oh trailer. yeah, but he could but, read minds. You know, but he still this, would yeah. know her name. <laughs> yeah, so, so there's a little bit of the chronology. I got confused in the chronology, and just in case anybody else did as well, this is still in the flashback. This is still in this the is flashback. yeah. This this is uh, her running away from uh, Miss Marvel, not running away from Mystique. So that's mm-hmm. I, that's why I got confused Sorry. here. So that Xavier finds her, and she says, you know. I need to get the, I have this other mind in my head. I can't stop it. Uh, which is something that Xavier knows a lot about. Right. Sure. Um, and she's like, I need to forget what happened uh, in order to heal myself. Uh, and Xavier does it cause he has no ethics. Well, it, this um, is Xavier's idea. This wasn't even her idea. Like he, he oh, walks yeah, up yeah, to yeah. her, calls her a mutant twice and says, I need to make you forget this so that you can be happy. <laughs> like what a creepazoid this guy is. It's incredibly unethical. Yeah. Um, Oof. the, uh, so, I mean, she probably wanted it. She's pretty upset, but it's still super shitty. Like, Xavier is really disgusting. Um, yeah. So then Rogue comes back. She has the shape-shifting uh, powers. And she's kind of, at this point, like, out for blood. Um, she this turns is, into Miss Marvel. back in the present time. Too. Yes. Like, we're back you. in the hospital yeah. room. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, the X-Men show up to be like, hey, we can, we can help you, Cher. And, uh, <laughs> and she runs away. Because she can fly. Yeah. And she gets to do that. She just keeps flying away. It's great. Yep. The uh, the X Men can't really keep up with her uh, her flying, but Jean Grey is back at the X Mansion in Cerebro and um, like can reach out and catch up with her mind, and that's where there's this is where we go into the the psychic plane, and we we have this battle in the inside of Rogue's mind uh, between Miss Marvel and Rogue, and the the setup here, and this is why I mentioned that it was interesting early earlier. Like this is Rogue's not the good person here. Like regardless of whether she meant to do this or not, and you know, I never realized that she's protecting herself. Like she's still the wrong party, like imprisoning a, a superhero in your mind, imprisoning anyone in your mind is a wrong act. Like yeah. continually doing it willingly and knowledge and knowledgeably, like that's a wrong act. And well, she, she didn't, she didn't really continually do it knowledgeably. Like she had these memories blocked, you know? So to her, like, you know, she did it. Uh, she didn't know that she was going to touch it, touch uh, Miss Marvel and not be able to let go. You can make the argument that she's kind of like she was definitely villainous and it's a redemption, but she also was raised to be villainous after getting abused by her father. You know, so like she's kind of a victim. The thing is, is like Miss Marvel's not the villain here at all, no. which is why I don't like that they gave her like zombie face. Yeah, like, like psychic Miss Marvel is like a is like the soul of Cinder. Like she's all fucking creeping out. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and she, and she has a staff with sorcery yeah. for some reason. Not true, um, but Jean Grey is here too. Like Jean Grey is in this fight, and for some reason, Jean Grey appears as a giant woman. Like, and, and, well, it's and, because of her power. Like she's yeah, not, you know, yeah. she's a psychic. Yeah, I'm just, I just the, I don't know, man. Like making yourself a giant in somebody else's mind is like a, I don't know, man. Jean Grey, the, the telepaths on the X Men have no ethics or like responsibility it's, it's an alpha move. stuff. Yeah. 
Um, I, I actually, I, I love that she shows up like to mediate this. Um, and I think it is cool that she's like, um, this is a cool representation of psychic power as opposed to just energy beams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, like, I, I think this is actually pretty cool. And Jean Grey is like, also realizes that Miss Marvel isn't the villain, but she can't just like, cause Miss Marvel's plan who has been, you know, trapped in this like psychic plane for like what? like 10 years at this point, probably. Sure. Yeah. Um, and like it was lost her life, lost her identity and stuff like it's profound act of violence is like, I'm going to take over and just drive your body. You know, so like being John Malkovich shit. Mm-hmm. Jean's like, you know, you can't, you can't do this. Uh, you know, and, and Jean has to make this choice where it's like, you know, one of you is the aggrieved party. One of you is my friend who's semi innocent. You know, mm-hmm. what, uh, what do I do here? And Jean put- decides to, yeah, tamp down Miss Marvel. And put her in a literal cage and then like seal it up so that she can't see out, which is Yep. It's real like, dark. Yeah, it's real dark. It kind of made me feel a little creepy, like made me feel a little gross. But um but yeah. again, like what what is the best solution here? Like Xavier has said, and Xavier's probably the you know, premier telepath in the world. Like if he says that he can't help her, like what are you gonna do? Um, yeah. The, the only the only uplift at the at the end of this is that um well I guess after this is over with Rogan and Mystique have like a big falling out where Mystique says, you know, I raised you and Rogue says, you know you didn't and all this stuff. Like that that goes on for a while. Um but then Rogue <laughs> dresses up in civilian clothes and gets catcalled by a gambit. <clears throat> because yes. it's fucking gambit. <laughs> uh and then she goes to the hospital to visit Carol Danvers and, you know, leave her flowers. And that's when we see at the very end of the episode, Carol has a, a little bit of brain activity. So maybe something is happening there. Like maybe there's yeah. something that can be happening. That's good. Yep. That's good stuff. So yeah. Like, it's like Rogue doing her best. Mm-hmm. She can't she can't fix it. Um, you know, and the only thing it needed to be like kind of morally right, I think, is that uh recognition that like somebody should be doing something to fix it. You know, Xavier should have been like, I'll work on this, mm-hmm. you know, or something like that. Like we can get her mind back into her body. This is what happens in the comics. It's not like Rogue just absorbs Miss Marble forever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so that's what I would have appreciated, but it's okay that it didn't happen. And this ended up being a very good origin episode, like significantly better and more coherent than the Gambit one, yeah. which was nonsense. Like this is actually like a very cool episode. And like, again, no winner, no good guys, no bad guys. Morally complex, very good. You know, show it, show kind of at its best. Mm-hmm. So, and, and well, like, well done. No, no happy endings. Like, not every one of these has to end with everybody hugging and you know making the X symbol at each other or whatever. Like, it's it's, yeah. it's good stuff. Like, these are three solid episodes, and I think a, a, a large portion of it is that they have nothing to do with the Savage Land. <laughs> oh yeah, just, so happy that the Savage Land wasn't in this, these three episodes. We're we're gonna get there. Don't oh, you worry, God. buddy. Do we have to? Can't we just cover Mojo Vision for like an hour and a half instead? No. <laughs> no, because you weren't good. That's true. That's true. Um, um, yeah. let's get to, you want to get to the next episode? Um, yeah, let's hit it up. Uh, XM 210, Beauty and the Beast. Original air date, January 15th, 1994. Beast falls in love with Carly. <laughs> a, uh, just so you know who that is. Uh, a blind patient of his. The two are kept apart by Carly's father, who looks down upon the mutant race. But when the Friends of Humanity, an anti-mutant organization, kidnaps Carly, her father turns to Beast, who must now risk his life to try to save her. Again, just like totally incorrect in every single sense. (laughs) Sure, let's get into it. (laughs) And this is our Beast episode, not our origin episode. Nope. Like not, you know, this is not how Beast got his fur or whatever. This is just our Beast highlight episode. Although we do um, which get to be some, fair, some, like, some beast like origin stuff in here. Like he goes and looks sure. at like an old photo album, which I think is really fun. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, like beast did not, was not in uh, the actual first season very much at all. 
So no, no. he, uh, he was you know, we, most of the time. So like, yeah, we him having a, a highlight is is a okay. I think. Yeah, I, I I think it's fine that he has a highlight. I just beast like his his like forlorn love or whatever like this this whole like love plot line i just so eye roll inducing like i just i can't i I think i I don't think i like this episode very much at all and i think you may like it a lot more than i do and i I don't know why i'm hoping you can you can sway me by the end of this conversation yeah i think i think this is actually kind of good i think that the issue is um and what i agree with you is is it's a huge 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 cliche yeah you know it is um you know it's literally called uh, Beauty and the Beast, you know, which is, which is the, like, like I get you. I get the story. I know. Um, so you could super have just bummer. put on the words Beauty and the Beast, showed a picture of Beast, showed a picture of Carly, and then like cut to the next episode. And yeah. I would feel like, yep, Kids, I got it. imagine the rest. You know, fire <laughs> action figures and play this out yourself. Directed uh, by George R. R. Martin. The Chase, the Chase Carly toy. Um, so Beast is at this eye clinic with Alec Bolson, uh, who is a doctor, who is his buddy. Uh, just beasting it up, sucking, uh, you know, taking forever to say words and uh, working to, to restore this woman named Carly's eyesight. Uh, mm-hmm. And Beast is clearly in love with it. Like he's got thirst for days. Yep. Like his, his red thing is showing like it is. Be- oh, Beast is. Rocket. He's not red rocketing, <laughs> is he? He's red rocketing. Like it is. Um, <laughs> it's extremely bad. Man. And, uh, oh God, if he does that every time he finds like a new science thing out, uh, uh, it's the worst. <laughs> oh my stars and garters. <laughs> no wonder he wears that trench coat everywhere. <laughs> um, and when he turns into a cat, he presumably gets cat genitals too, which is even like weirder. Like there's just a, a furry patch where nothing is, you know, I never even thought, I never thought about beast in terms of losing his genitals, but that's, that's, that's a real risk, right? Like when he turned into this form. He had to, well, or worse, like if you if you end up with a cat penis, and like you're never gonna yeah, have that's sex what I was gonna say. Like woman. then, yeah, then you you have your cat penis, which like cat, you know, and then uh, does he go through like hormone things, like you know, because you you want to like does beast like does he spray something, like does he spray, like my apologies, as the bard would say, all's well that sprays well. You think they had to neuter beast? Do you think they had? Yeah, they had to take his balls because otherwise they would be like out there on front street. Because cat balls are really unnerving. Like, they're just, like, gigantic cotton balls that, like, are on the back of your cat before you get them fixed. Do you think one of Jubilee's, like, many responsibilities besides cooking and everything (laughs) is, like, basically just making sure that there's no cats in heat on the Ants Mansion grounds, like, anywhere? Because they just know Beast is going to go ape shit. I thought you were going to ask if one of her duties was to cauterize Beast, like, weeping nutsack. (laughs) After the, uh, after well, the I mean, operation, I thought that was obvious. I thought that's definitely yeah. does a mall rat like chili fries? <laughs> <laughs> oh my stars and garters! Wow! <laughs> <laughs> All right, I changed my mind. I like this episode a lot. <laughs> um. Okay. So, so Beast Beast wants to bang down. And uh, an explosion happens, and Beast manages to save uh, Carly, and not the regular human that's there. Um, and well, he the does, friends he, of humanity. He saves yeah. Carly first, and then and then jumps yeah. back up to save the doc. I'll, I'll give him that credit. But uh, yeah, yeah th- th- this is the friends of humanity, and man, like back to Creed, where I am so just tired of Creed's voice. I'm so glad. I think this is the last time that we see Creed for for quite some time. So I'm, I'm happy with this. Yeah, they're mutants. They're mutants. <laughs> yeah, it's 
it's very obnoxious. But and also they're just blowing up hospitals because Beast works there. Like this is not going to win hearts and minds, guys. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So, so Beast tries to talk him down because Beast that's Beast's way. Uh, but they ain't, they ain't dealing with it. Like, listen, stuff it, college cat. Like, we don't, <laughs> well, you know? he, and he does his normal, like, poetry thing. Like, he talks, like, which just sounds like, you, it makes you sound like an arrogant, condescending asshole. And, like, the Friends of Humanity are just like, okay, we're just going to shoot you. Like, we're not even going to listen to this. It's, they're just, like, left coast elitist. You know, I, we don't, yeah. we, we don't, uh, we, we're the real salt. We're real Americans. You're not. So yeah. we're not going to listen to you. You know? <clears throat> um, Anywho, but, but they do a little, they do a little fight thing. And then we, we go back to the mansion and uh, Wolverine is pissed. He's, so that, he, that's a way I can sell you on this episode is Wolverine's plot line is great. Yes, absolutely. Like, yeah. I, yeah I guess, Wolverine. Cause I, there's I, a whole B plot to this. That's very good. Yeah. And this is, is this one of the first episodes where we actually have besides like a stinger savage land thing that we actually have a full on B plot. Like, cause it, it feels like this is the first time that they've really branched out into this, but I, I may be forgetting an episode. I don't know if it's the first time, but it's definitely rare. So it's, you know, very cool, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he's super mad and talking about, like, going to get revenge. And Jean Grey says, you know, that's that plays right into what they want. Like, if we're going to do this, we have to do this very carefully. We have to do this, um, you know, we have to we have to plan things out. And uh, he's and he basically says, like, okay, that's fine. But the first time that I see one, I'm going to kill him. So. Yeah. Yep. Um, so pretty cool. I like Wolverine in this episode. Yep. We do have another Savage Land check-in, which we haven't had for a while. Um. And the Xavier Magneto are captured in a net by Amphibious, uh, who's a little tiny uh, frog man. Um, he talks like this. <laughs> like he's yeah. got this weird lift going on the entire time. This is when I think they first start talking about bringing him to the leader mm-hmm. uh, at this point, realizing that's not Magneto. Um, the a Hydra, like <laughs> you have it in the notes, is the Dark Root Hydra. It, which it, I like. It's got several heads. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much the, you know, the Hydra. You know, back in ancient times prehistoric time when when there are hydras <laughs> sure uh, absolutely um but they, they get away savage right. land is so garbage <laughs> it's it's it, it doesn't get better either it's really stupid um then we go to wolverine civilian wolverine who's doing his plan to infiltrate uh yeah. he's the got a Prince baseball Manny, cap on covering up that those hair ears of his he's got like some red shades a tight black shirt yeah. blue jeans like I, I love this look i love civvy wolverine it's so much better than patch when he becomes like the weird like white suited uh guy with the eye patch who hangs out in madripoor yep. like, madripoor is the is the savage land of is another savage land in the comics like madripoor <laughs> is just as bad in the comics it's racist um, savage land is what you want yeah, to say there. <laughs> savage land is already pretty racist true, also the, true. Uh, yeah it's just like all, all these dumb uh, all these dumb savages um but he he kind of hurts himself he falls off of a fire escape so they can show up and then he blames it on a mutant um it's pretty great like he's like yeah i was convinced by a mutant and they're like you know creed is like what happened you know and and he's uh oh i told him to get out of town and he tried to fight me and i I punched him but he hit too hard or something like that and he's just playing directly into creed's hands you know Mm -hmm. it's super good like uh i i love i love smart wolverine yeah anytime wolverine like carefully manages his rage and like like stealthy wolverine is always really fun to me so. Yeah, yeah. There's, we're going to get to. Uh, they, I think that there's a com- uh, cartoon adaptation in the Phoenix Saga thing of the very famous Wolverine infiltrating the Hellfire Club. Yes, I'm I think that happens to the cartoon. Yeah. yeah, next season is is when we get to the Phoenix Saga. So I know. that's going to be great. I'm super it's, excited. It's like there's there's like a five part. I don't know how we're yeah, going to do an episode on that. Yeah, we'll, we'll split it in two two episodes. Like it'll be a cliffhanger. Yeah. I think <clears throat> um, rather than doing all five episodes in one thing because they they do really jump around. Like it's the Phoenix Saga, but it's not a direct one to one translation. So. I haven't, I haven't I haven't read ahead that far yet. Uh, meanwhile, oh. back at the at the eye clinic, uh, this is the day of Carly's surgery, and uh, Beast has come in and 
Alec, the, the, the human doctor is basically being like, Hey, yo, you, you can't be here anymore. Like you caused this explosion and, and like, you're just like our insurance rates are through the roof every time you step yeah. through the door. <laughs> the walls keep getting blown up. And yeah. this is uh Carly recognizes him at this point because uh, of his clone, you know, which comes up later. Doesn't he, and, doesn't uh, he say aftershave? <laughs> like, or aftershave, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which he literally would be, I mean, I, I think that's kind of cute. Like he's putting on aftershave to seem human. Yeah. Um, you know, and then he's surprised. He thought that she wouldn't know that he was a mutant. And she's like, listen, buddy, I'm not a fucking moron. That guy came in and called you a mutant. I was like right here when somebody blew up the wall to tell me you were a mutant. And you were here as well. You dumb, dumb, condescending piece of shit. Like, yeah. why would you not know this? Also, uh, also, I'm blind and that trench coat is horrible. <laughs> like, yeah. Please, yeah. please don't wear that trench coat anymore. I realize it's the only clothes that fit other than your underwear. But like, please. Yeah, do something please. else. Uh, this this depresses Beast. Beast goes into kind of a, a sad mode here. He's back at the mansion and he's like sitting in the library and he's like looking through old photo albums, which like whenever I have issues with a girl, like I don't go home and like look at my like elementary school pictures. Maybe I'm weird though, Gary. What, what, what do you do when you have issues with a girl? <laughs> no, when I, when I get I get depressed, I've gone definitely done some like flipping around on Facebook and looking at pictures of exes and shit. <laughs> Like, yeah, but not pictures of yourself as, at a younger stage, right? No, I guess that's true. Like, I'm just like, oh, that was a happier time. Uh, it's pretty weird. <laughs> and I love this. Uh, I only took the one screenshot, and I may go back and take more. Uh, but the like, the, like, there's one picture of him with Bobby, like, hanging out. Um, there's pictures of him, like, doing acrobatic stuff. And there's, I'll put this one in the show notes of him in, like, an actual human uniform. Like, he's wearing a like, human uniform, yeah. human clothes. Like, he's wearing a button-up shirt, pants, a belt. Why doesn't he wear that all the time? Like, yeah, it's, why it's, the uh, trench coat? Yeah, I don't. I, he seems like maybe he's a little bit smaller in that picture. Like, maybe he's gotten more bestial. But he's also got a real dorky haircut during it too. It's a really good picture. Like, this is a good, good find, Jeremy. Because we, <laughs> we we talked about before about how this show is kind of hard to just watch and pay your full attention to. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, yeah. So when, when you're sitting down and you have a laptop in front of you and you're writing notes about exactly what happened in this dumb cartoon, like you, you start realizing yeah. you start having to pay attention a little bit. You more. catch you catch everything. Yeah. yeah, it's just it. This is this show. You know, even when I like it, it's very hard not to look at my phone. Yes, yes. Um, part of that's my fault for being a, a dumb millennial, though. The um. So uh, Gene brings him lunch and he's now breaking down. He's crying. He breaks a mirror. You know, uh, he's like, you know, I can't. Essentially, you know, I can't the, the Spider-Man thing. Like, I can't put you in danger by loving you. Um, Jean's like, you know, does she feel the same? And he's like, yes. And Jean's being a solid bro, and just like, you know, maybe it's worth pursuing. Let her decide. Which is that's solid advice in general. Yep. Like, never decide that somebody shouldn't be with you on your own. Like, you don't take away that agency from them. You know. Agreed. Jean Grey yeah. actually, you know, holding it down right now. Yeah. Good. Uh. Good advice. Jean Grey. Yeah. Um, Beast leaves and goes back to the hospital um, and to because he wants to see the because in, in this world like you have surgery and then like later that day they they unwrap you and you can see so great yes. which is which is good maybe that's what that's what Beast was doing is speeding up this process um, mm-hmm. but he crashes it he's not welcome there but he walks in and I and you know she gets to see him but the dad shows up and is like I and this is the first time that we get to the dad which like <laughs> is prominently mentioned in the in the in the intro yeah and also this dad who's like straight out of central casting (laughs) like like he does not look like a real person he looks like an extra from taxi driver or something yeah um so uh the dad is just like you know get out of here i don't want my daughter the mutant Mm -hmm. all pretty predictable uh so he leaves but then (laughs) carly's immediately kidnapped afterwards just like 
I mean, just like they walk down a hallway. Beast is like, oh, I, f- I forgot to give Carly this present. Like, hand it back to her. And then, uh, sh- oh, shit, you got to come back. She's kidnapped. Like, it's like five seconds. There's no time at all. Yeah, pretty amazing. Yes. Uh, you know, the, the, with his beastial hearing, he could not uh, could not hear, you know, that, that this kidnapping was happening or anything like that with his super senses. Yeah. Pretty silly. Um, so but he's like, fine, he, I guess. Yeah, it's fine. Um, he goes to the dad and he's like, Hey, we both want the same thing. Like, let me help. I need your help to rescue your daughter. You want me to rescue your daughter. I want to rescue your daughter. Let's, let's get this done. Yeah. And then we flash back to the, the B plot where Wolverine is, um, talking with Creed and it, it, like you mentioned earlier, like all of this is good. And he's like describing yeah. him knocking the mutant out and he's like, all of them should be punished. And then he kind of like clips that this dude is, is, um, the last name Creed should be a signifier, but this is Sabretooth's son. Like he, he clicks on that pretty quick, which I think he, is d- he cool. does a, he does a little trap. He's like, um, uh, you know, you seem kind of familiar. You seem like a man I saw. Um, he's like in, you know, in the oil fields of Texas or something. And then Creed's like, that couldn't have been me. I grew up in Canada. And that's what Wolverine, Wolverine oh, knew yeah. that. And then, then he Canada. looks at the camera and says, me too, bub. Yeah. It's, like yeah. it's, it's real. Like he's like, you get, he's got fucked. Like Wolverine <laughs> is playing everybody like a fiddle in this. And he's kind of the all-star of this, yeah. this episode It's pretty good. Uh, and he also is not like, he, you know, he could have just gone to a rage and, and popped claws right then, but he's like, no, it's more powerful to discredit this guy than to kill him. Like, he's just gonna be a martyr if I slice off his head. So pretty cool. And not typical Wolverine behavior. Like, when people, I think, bond with Wolverine the most, like you mentioned the scene in the Dark Tower where it raids the Hellfire Club, like that's his like rampage moment where he murders yeah. everybody. But it's stuff like this too, where they actually tap into some of his history. Like he's been alive for a yeah. long time and actually is pretty smart sometimes. <laughs> like, I, I what, certainly didn't mention it in the Dark Tower I, is the Dark Phoenix saga. So Sorry. Well, I mean, no, it's okay. <laughs> I, that, that Wolverine like was in I was the Dark Tower too. I don't know how far you've oh, gotten. Oh shit! But... <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't read that far. Um, Crossover episode. Side <laughs> bub. Um, the uh, I wasn't too. I I sounded like a dick correcting you, and I was being a dick. But my intention was, whenever I do that, me and Cole have gotten to an understanding on this. But you and I have not been podcasting as long. Is that you correct the other person to save them from a bunch of people calling them out on Twitter? Yeah. And yeah. correcting them, so you just like on the record. Nope, we know. We know Wolverine isn't in the Dark Tower. Save your tweets. <laughs> Like <laughs> we get it. Um, so on the way, like beast jumps in the car with the dad, which seems really weird to me. And then calls the X-Men and says, Hey, we're going to the friends of humanity headquarters. Get over there. Um, Wolverine calls in right after that. He's hiding in a closet and using his communicator to call in and saying like, Hey, you guys need to come down here and also bring the portable Cerebro <laughs> projector oh, and, a cer- and a certain disc. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's so good. Like the, why does it have to be related to Cerebro at all? It's just a projector. It's literally like, just a projector. <laughs> like, is that just a brand name? in this it's, universe sure <laughs> you've got your uh you got your cerebro tvs you got your cerebro yeah. <laughs> i've got my my uh sony i've got my cerebro playstation 4 <laughs> like it's it's pretty amazing um but there's a nice little callback because when beast calls he's like hey when the when morph tricked you into going to the friends of humanity where was it so this isn't the friends of humanity base that's under the mansion this is their public facing base that's at like the vfw Oh yeah. Uh, you, you think this is where the theater is where they tried to execute Jubilee? Yeah. Like this is the movie shop or what movie mart yeah. or whatever. Okay. Okay. Cause yeah. I'm, be I'm... specifically asked like, where did they take you? Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. Um, so you get there and Creed is interrogating Carly, which is like fucking dick, like this poor blind girl, you know? Uh, but it's, it's, it's the same kind of racist, you know, uh, the clan hating people, you know, white people who associate with blacks, same kind of thing. Like the friends of humanity are just 
clan fucking Nazis. And what I don't get about this is like, what do they think Carly knows that they don't already know? They already That's know the Beast. Thing. Like they've already tried yeah. to kill him several times. They've seen him on TV with the president. Like what are you, what information are you trying trying to get out of her? It's super silly. Like yeah. that, that doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. But um, so the nice little, like, again, it's kind of thematically thing is Beast comes in here and Beast who is ordinarily our annoying uh, roommate who won't shut up about literature uh, starts actually fucking shit up and fighting and he's in a rage and Wolverine is the one with restraint. So I think that's the idea why those two characters are paired here um, is to show the, the both sides of both of them, you know, yeah. like this is almost as much of a Wolverine episode because Wolverine finds Carly. So to escape Creed shows up um, Wolverine's like, I'm a mutant, you know, and uh, <laughs> Creed, Creed freaks out. Uh, and he's just like, yeah, listen, you know, we know about your daddy. Uh, and then the portable cerebro projector comes into play. Yeah. And that's where they, like the, the X-Men post up on a building next door. Cyclops shoots in the wall and then they project. (laughs) (laughs) Very good plan. Yeah. Very, very, very classic, classic X-Men destruction of prop. Excuse me. Destruction of property. Um, so yeah, this when the hologram, I wanted to say hologram Tupac right then. So bad for some reason, hologram saber tooth shows up. Uh, and Creed starts freaking out because he, it's his dad and his friends of humanity buddies are, are like, Oh, you're related to a mutant. We're out. Like, we're not going to, we're not going to hang out with you anymore. And then yeah. he goes crazy screaming. <laughs> and this is, I'm so glad it's the send off for this character because I can't handle this dude's voice anymore. It's horrifying. <laughs> I'm uh, not like you. Like all that. Kind well, of it's, he sounds like Axel. Yeah, like, exactly. sounds like Axel Rose. Yeah, <laughs> but um, like, but like spaghetti incident, Axel, not like yeah, <laughs> that, it's a not appetite for destruction. <laughs> the um, it's super like how dumb are the friends of humanity that they couldn't understand that somebody who is the son of a mutant might hate mutants? You know, like it's not. I mean, I get that their idea is like, oh, you're impure or whatever bloodline because they're the clan Nazis. But the idea that like it's just like yeah, that's why I want to bring him down. You've seen him; he's saber tooth. He was a literal monster. Like my dad was literally a werewolf all the time. Yep. You know, uh, super, super ridiculous. Beast getting what he wants is the only thing worse than beast not getting what he wants. So he's, you know, uh, and he's doing the, you know, we can never be together thing. Which uh, is, laying I'm down just, real heavy. Yeah. Like, uh, I, you need to go do your thing. Like it's, a, it's a very like 14 year old boy way to break up with the girl of like, I don't deserve yeah. you. you. You need to fly like a bird and all, all that other bullshit. It, yeah. And it just, it's, it's, you know, taking away her agency and just being super shitty. And the idea being like, oh, she'll be in danger. You live in a mansion full of turrets and shit. Like <laughs> you can, you can make her okay. Yeah. It's also, there's, there's not a basis in like the comics. Like beast has girlfriends Yeah. in the comics, you know, like, um, so it's a pretty, it's pretty weird. It's a weird option to take for it. And like the idea that he has to reject her, not because, and you know, a more, a more death touch, a better writing version of this would be if, uh, He's making up that as an excuse, but it's really because he's self-conscious about his his beastliness. Sure, yeah, he's, he's worried you know? about his cat penis damaging her and the, yeah, and the physical yeah. expression I, of his this, love for her. Once, once this thing knots, I'm 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 stuck for <laughs> like several hours, and I haven't gotten it cleared for human consumption. So, <laughs> once this thing knots, oh my god, the next novel about Chuck Tingle, right? Pounded <laughs> <laughs> in the butt by my own fear of my penis nodding inside my blind girlfriend um (laughs) yeah i I guess i guess my my problem with this episode to begin with i think is just mostly that beast like and i and i do like the the change at the end where he's he kind of goes into a rage but that's pretty much my only saving grace moment for him like that's that's pretty much it like the stuff with him and carly feels 
and, and I'm not expecting a, a children's cartoon from the early '90s to like build me up a relationship or anything. Like it's just, it's just he likes this girl, like she likes him back, and then it's just all of this contrived stuff around it, and especially him at the end with the like I can't I can't be with you kind of stuff. Just it's so eye rolling to me that I I think that's what spoiled the episode. But you're you're right. Wolverine saves the episode and the especially the scene with uh beast breaking in and going into a rage is is really really good yeah it's it, it's it's not quite a redemption for beast because he's still like just kind of annoying to be around but it's close to and it's it's top notch it's some of my favorite wolverine like comparing this wolverine with alaska wolverine you know it's just it's just amazing oh you know it's God. like yeah this is such a better like expression of that character because he's been a lot like he's not an idiot i you know and just and just making him like just a rage monster is, is kind of silly at this point mm-hmm um but this is good and this is this is i would say these are three and a half good episodes like it which is pr- a pretty good ratio for x-men the animated series <laughs> yeah um and i think that's going to probably pretty much do us for today huh yeah yeah absolutely yeah, this is a uh, so thanks for sticking with us it's a little bit longer episode but it's a weird season um we'll probably stick closer to like three episodes per episode uh next season when we have more episodes to work with uh, that's the word episode a whole lot. I was really hoping um, we'd go to six episode episodes. Like we, <laughs> you know, geez, <laughs> like, yeah. The Five uh, podcast. Since well, man, like I mean, that's I had that week where it's like three five hour recording sessions. Uh, for various things. I'm not trying to whine. Like this is a very good, like the fact that I get paid for this is awesome. And this is a very good job, but it is, uh, you know, just talking that long oh, can yeah. be very, uh, very difficult. Like, uh, but, um, no, I'm not complaining about this. It's been great. Um, thank you very much for, for listening. We'll be back with the finale of the season um, next episode. And stay tuned at the end of the next episode because we have a very special poll about uh, what movie we're going to do Yep. Um, at that point. And uh, yeah, if you like the show, you can rate and review it on iTunes. That's very helpful. Um, please do so. Um, you know, Tell people. Yeah, and you can also go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Um, because of the Patreons over the Patreon, patrons over there, um, this show got funded and we were able to do this show, which is really exciting. So if you like this show and the other shows on the Duckfeed Network, a couple of bucks a month can really, really help out to, you know, making more shows. The tiers are all awesome. Like, I'm so excited about all of the new shows that are going to be coming out as they reach these goals. Like, the REM show is funded. The Dark Tower show just got funded. Like, everything is just gold coming out of Duckfeed nowadays. So definitely, definitely go check that out. And if there's some shows that interest you, chuck a couple of bucks their way. Yeah, I think it'll be really fun. And you, the, these shows that are not our normal video game shows, like we do, we're doing that kind of um, indie cinema model where we're doing, you know, we do the big shows, which we love doing them. So it's not really like that. But we do, you know, our big video game shows that get all the listeners and everything. Um, so we can do these smaller ones, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like we're not expecting any, any of our smaller shows have not, you know, touched the big three. But we really love doing them. And we know that they, people listen to them. We know they have fans and people will say things like, oh, you know, like Days of Future Cast is my favorite show on the network. And that's very sweet. Yeah. Um, so please uh, do, you know, please spread the word. You know, like if, uh, you know, if you patronize us already, that's fantastic. But also see if you can get other people to check it out because word of mouth is a really trustworthy way for a podcast to spread. Do you have a really hard um, time saying patronize us? Because every time I hear it, it sounds weird. I know that's the correct verb. It just sounds really awkward. <laughs> I, uh, it's, I've got to, cause I've done it so many times. Like if you, okay. if I start talking about Patreon, it just, it's all, you know, I can, I can get through that. Gotcha. Um, I get, I get, I go crazy when people, uh, call it Patreon or, uh, Patron or talk about having, uh, pa- Patreons or something like that. Like that drives <laughs> me nuts. Like I love, uh, I love retronauts, but Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Parrish will say, uh, we'll call it Patreon sometimes. I'm like, mm. yes. that's not the way that word works. Yeah. No offense, I Jeremy mean, Parrish. I don't know if it's a joke. 
I mean, you could say like patronize. So it, I get why he's he does it that way, but it just I don't know what it, it just drives me crazy for some reason. And then uh, Lou Reed's internet will talk about having Patreons uh, or call the website Patron. <laughs> Patron. <laughs> Patron. <laughs> they call Body him Patron. Patron. <laughs> um, quarters and podcast. Ding 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 ding. So it's a. Uh, yeah. Anywho, uh, thank you very much. And uh, until next time, good night. Good night. Right, I'm going to go take a whiz. Do it. watched the uh, last two just now to make notes and jesus christ savage land i hope we never have to go back i, I we will Shut I, up, like Jerry. i'm pretty I'm, I'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure we do we go way back to um i did um a thing where i looked at uh episodes that were coming later like i just have the folder where i torrented all of them and i just like double clicked on a couple of them randomly on the titles like old ones that i didn't didn't know mm-hmm. just to see what was up with them and uh, it's pretty amazing. We got some amazing shit coming up when it gets into like real deep 90s lore. Uh, and when Mr. Sinister comes back for like another wedding. Great. Uh, there, we get to see him like wearing a tuxedo and stuff. Uh, pretty good. A... They don't go to the Savage Land, but. <laughs> Who do you think Mr. Sinister's tailor is? Like, do you think he just goes to like the prom rent a shop or <laughs> like. It's, you... it's a costume prop department. Yeah. 100%. Like it's a, he, he goes to like a local community theater. Yeah. <laughs>